Welcome back to the Boxing One Podcast. This is your host, John Richards, aka Jay Rich, here with my co-host, Chris Lassler, aka C Last. What's up, cuz? Chilling, bro. What's good? What up, homie? Hey, look, this is episode number 39. I'm gonna go gonna go ahead and say this. I'm not a big fan of fullbacks, right? But we gotta we gotta say this is the Larry Zonka episode, right? I mean, ain't very many other 39s out there in any of sports so right you know 11 time pro bowler i think he was on that 72 team that went undefeated gotta give props to zonka he might be the face of that team it might be him the quarterback and shula that might be the three people you actually recognize off of that team you're right been so long you're right i mean but fullbacks getting love man when when have you seen that especially in recent years (laughs) <laughs> so on this episode we're going to give the fullback some love larry zonka shout out to you for episode number 39 and what we want to do is just dive right into this one man because we got some really really great topics for this particular episode where are we starting at the fight bruh the fight the fight the fight quote unquote okay like we both slept through <laughs> both of us slept on it literally literally slept on the fight but we know what happened and it's probably what everybody thought was going to happen right we're talking about who floyd mayweather against colin mcgregor went 10 rounds tko floyd 50 and 0 he rides off into the sunset with his huge payday so does colin though colin got them checks too so then the question becomes wait this this fight went a little little bit too perfectly i mean early early in the fight you got floyd dancing around didn't really throw too many punches you know that's kind of defensive floyd right but get around to the 10th round and he becomes a little bit more aggressive we find out later that he was trying to go into the sports book and make a bet that he win it in under nine rounds at the halfway mark so he has that bet, that prop bet out there potentially. Do you think this thing was a fairy tale fixed type deal? We don't like saying fixed, but Chris, come on, man. This thing went way too perfectly, right? Jay Rich, I'm not saying it's fixed, yo, but I'm saying if you fixed it, ain't this what it would look like? Where y'all was like, <laughs> all right, this is what we about to do. All right, look, so I ain't going to throw no punches for the first couple of rounds. You just got to come out hard. So people really think you got a chance. And then for a couple of rounds, we just going to box. And then at the end, I got to do what I got to do. Because I got to be 50 and no, but you go get paid and people going to think you nice. I will say, I will appreciate the Nike check snot meme that did go around when he knocked the snot out of him. Literally knocked the snot out of Colin McGregor. I thought that was one of the perfect memes from the fight. I'm not really a big boxing fan. But you have to think, man, that all this talk leading up to it, all the money they were going to get paid, you knew he wasn't going to knock him out in like three rounds. I didn't think McGregor had a chance, but 10 rounds? An MMA fighter went 10 rounds with a professional boxer. I don't think neither me nor Chris is, is buying this one. As right. Not- <laughs> so I think, like, here's the thing. Like, <clears throat> And I've heard a lot of people say, like, don't think of it as a sporting event. Think of it as a spectacle. The best from one crossing over to fight the best in another. And so if you think of it like entertainment, it it almost had that 
staged feel to it. Like when we used to grow up watching wrestling, like you would be completely engaged and you felt all the way entertained. But when you step back and you'd be like, wait a minute. And then, I mean, it just went so perfectly that it was like, man, like it almost feels like this was a plot. Like they was just following a script. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were comparing it to the Ali fight where he fought the the guy, what was it, the Kung Fu guy or the martial artist. They thought it was a gimmick, and it may have wound up to be one. So, I mean, Showtime got paid, bro. Right. They got they paid. My money. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of folks were salty because they had a little bit of a delay in the start of the podcast. I know they're getting sued, but didn't stay up for it. I got all the highlights later on. Floyd Mayweather's 50 and 0. Whoop de doo. I really didn't think it was a big to do. A lot of people thought it was going to be a great fight. Potential for McGregor upsetting him. Nah, bro. They already had this. They talked about this a long time ago. Is there pulling is the there, puppet string? All right. So two quick questions. We're gonna wrap up this with these two questions for you. You ready? Number one, if you had it to do all over again, would you like would you buy in? Somebody says, hey, you got to put down 10, but come to our house. Would you do it? Question number two, what would you, what sporting event would you actually pay pay-per-view for? Bro, I got a two-year-old still in diapers. That's three boxes of diapers, cuz. <laughs> we not going to buy that fight. <laughs> we just not going to do it. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have poop receptacles than to buy that fight, okay? I got you, fam. Okay, number two, what would I pay to see? Very yeah. little, man. Like, what, what sporting event could come on pay-per-view that would be like, all right, I got to cop some money off that? <sighs> I don't know, man. Very little. I, would, I couldn't tell you. Like, the last time I paid for anything was a Tyson fight because Tyson was just a savage. You just never know with Tyson. Which fight I, was it? Um, it? It may have been Buster Douglas, dude. Mine was Holyfield. And that's when Tyson just bit his ear and it was over. Oh, see, I ain't paid for that when I went to somebody's house and just well, ate I all their food. I was at my cousin Petey's house, the same one I told you. I was like, bro, man, from the fourth floor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bro, man, from Martin, bro. Come over there and get some sandwiches and watch a fight. It's the best way to do it. Yeah. So congrats to Floyd, man. Hospitality. Congrats to Floyd, 50 and though, all good. But me and Chris, mm. We ain't buying it, cause we know we we know the fix was in. There's just something we need to discuss as a podcast team because we know how uh, natural disasters happen and how it may impact the church, or how the church may potentially impact those who are trying to restore um, their lives after something like this happens. So this past weekend, uh, Hurricane Harvey touched land in texas for the first time since i think 1961 and this is the first time that a hurricane has made landfall since 2005 in the u.s so harvey decided to make landfall and just stay put and they've been inundated with rain uh, storms winds we've seen the pictures we've seen boats riding through neighborhoods passing by cars floating uh, it's just been crazy. But one of the crazy stories, and we can't hit possibly hit every angle here, but one of the crazy stories that we want to talk about, because everybody's talking about it, and I don't think we should be, 
is the fact that Joel Osteen was called out on social media because people said that he closed his church uh, to those who were victims of the storm. So people took pictures and uh, folks started to retweet stuff on social media. A couple of days later, uh, pictures came out showing some areas in the church that were flooded. So there were competing narratives here. And you've seen people coming to his defense and you've seen people who were criticizing him. It even turned to his doctrine, which was weird because I'm sitting here like, okay, are we talking about victims here or are we talking about doctrinal statements? So, uh, so Chris, my question is, you know, as Christians, especially when stuff like this comes out immediately, it's like, wait, this dude closed his church and there's victims out there who need some type of shelter. What do you do and how do you approach news like this um, when it comes across your timeline on social media? Like, what's your approach, Chris? I, I'd be interested in hearing it. I think, all right, the first thing you do is um, like you have to know that you're dealing with credible sources, right? So we're not just running and retweeting things, getting this fake aggression over something that, number one, we're not even sure like is verifiable. And I think that's important. I think that's just a way to love people too, is just not to believe like the, like the immediate thing you hear with no like reason to. Like, so I, I, like I'm always cautious there. I think what happened was like, he's just the perfect victim, right? Like, hey, this is happening and he's already like made Christianity out to be like what many perceive to be like a money-making get-rich scheme that is bloodless and is crossless. And um, so we already have this ax to grind with his ministry and then it was just too easy. It, it it fell together too easily just to hop on board with the Joel Osteen bashing, especially when in these type of things, you wanna be angry and it's just easy to redirect that anger. Um, so, I, I mean, my prayer was like, man, like, please don't let this be true. You know, like, uh, like for whatever his doctrine is, and I, like, I will go on record saying like, I'm not super familiar with his ministry uh, but I'm familiar enough that if a young brother or sister was to come to me and say, hey, like I'm reading this book, it's called Your Best Life Now, I would say, hey, like that's probably not something we would recommend you read. It's probably going to do you more harm than good in your spiritual life. Um, like, and point them to Luke 9.23 that Jesus says, hey, pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow me, you know, and that's where you'll find life by losing it. So uh, I, I think all of those things and then just confusion like just everyone <laughs> the crab meme from spongebob like everybody's got these competing narratives everyone's telling you something all the time but really just saying like hey let's keep the main thing the main thing and see what we can do to help victims pray that that church does the right thing that other churches are doing the right thing and be able to separate those things and saying like this is a tragedy this what this is what we need right now and we can talk about like some of the doctrinal issues we have with him um later so bro there are 2.4 million people in the city of houston this is one church in the entire city who cares 
for people to make this about Lakewood Church and not about the floating lakes in people's neighborhoods is completely asinine to me. And it upsets me beyond recognition. Whether or not you're criticizing him and his church or defending him and his church, this is not the time or the season to be able to do that. What we need to be looking into is ways in which we can help the folks who are really hurting. I mean, we know that he since opened his church, praise the Lord, good news. But at the same time, like there's a whole bunch of people out there who still need the good news of the gospel and still need not just the gospel proclamation, but the gospel on the ground, which means organizations, churches, which have gone in, praise the Lord for them. But they need our support, too, whether it's by prayers, where it's financial, whether it's being able to go there to help with the restoration effort. But do not do not make this about defending or criticizing a man who is just one church in a city of 2.4 million people is not worth it. It really isn't. But, you know, that uh, just as Adam serves as a federal figurehead in scripture and Jesus serves as a federal figurehead in scripture, like Joel Osteen serves as a federal figurehead for the prosperity gospel. And so it, I don't even think it's him or people really know him or have even probably, I mean, I guess some people are familiar with sermons. I've heard enough and read enough to know like, hey, this isn't a direction I would feel comfortable about by my kids being taught or instructed under, right? Or anyone. Um, but he is the federal figurehead for the prosperity gospel. And so he's saying what I think what people were trying to say in frustration and this part I do understand, hey, it's all great when it's sun shining, but then when it rains, like you've never prepared people adversity and now look how you're acting when your city's distraught and the thing is like i'm not there um so i don't know what's really going on inside that church i don't know if the church could have opened and didn't or wanted to be open but couldn't you know but i know um that the knock on the prosperity gospel and the knock that i believe is true is like where christ calls you to suffer there's no preparation for that um in the prosperity gospel i just think um to make houston about that is really unfortunate but like as far as the thing itself i can see why people are frustrated with the prosperity gospel but i think we would be more informed by saying like how does scripture tell us as believers to respond to other people in crisis and so we would look at the good samaritan story more than we would look at Paul calling out Peter over a doctrinal issue is our example in this situation. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's good stuff. And that's a, that's a very good distinction. Cause if I say something else about this, I might explode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jay rich, I don't know if you have been keeping up since so much has been going on and our eyes have kind of been fixed on, Harvey, and I know you've got some special uh, visitors in, in your home this week, but um, almost back to back, the church has uh, released two documents, uh, the church at large. One has been called 
the Charlottesville Declaration. And basically, it was just a call to say, like, we condemn uh, everything about being in nationalism, white supremacy, uh, ethnocentrism, and a call for a response from the church to do the same at large. And that was almost immediately followed up with another statement called the Nashville Statement. Um, both of these were trending on Twitter for better parts of the last two weeks. Um, and the Nashville Statement was just saying like, hey, what do we affirm about um, humanity, gender roles, and sexuality? Um, and both have been very polarizing documents. And I just thought we would take a few moments to say like, hey, um, we're helping disciple people. They're starting to grow in the Lord. And then they start to notice like, hey, like it seems like Christianity is really polarizing on social media. How do we walk people through these documents in a way that's healthy and pointing them towards Christ? Yeah. So so first of all, I mean, here, here's the thing about culturally, you know, having been part of minority communities and historically black church. Um, it's interesting that when declarations like this or statements like this come out, uh, interpretive tools or um, ways in which to read these items um, tend to, um, for some people in our experience, um, tend to be lacking. And let me just say this. Uh, historically, the church has released creedal statements from the Nicene Creed and Constantinople. Uh, so different creeds have come out of the Christian tradition to help shape uh, orthodoxy or to uh, come against certain things that are culturally uh, hotbed topics at the time. And these are two 21st century statements that are meant to do just that. Now, the problem becomes where, you know, in our tradition, we don't necessarily um, have creedal, um, creedal documents that we kind of hold um, in high regard or even use in our church liturgy, uh, whether we're high church or low church. Uh, so um, first of all, I would say from our cultural perspective, it could be hard reading something like this and kind of discerning what that means. Um, on, on the other side, I think that we need to be able to read these and reflect on them, especially when it comes to some of the backlash that's gotten in social media in terms of um, with the Nashville Declaration, uh, certain articles were held up and said, hey, this isn't very uh, timely or very Christian of you to be able to say these things. So that's putting uh, it gently. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I think in processing it, like, you know, I saw all the folks who signed the declarations, uh, both of them, but it, it helps me to kind of work through them myself slowly, process, pray, uh, think through what scripture says about what each declaration says. And then actually come to my own conclusion, whether or not it's something that I would be able to support wholeheartedly or not. Um, so that takes time for me. Like, I'm not going to be the one who reads something once and then immediately say, all right, I'm on board. Let's go. 
um, it really does take me some time to be able to work through things like that because it really is kind of this polarizing definitive statement where you're putting a stake in the ground. I would say also, uh, like just nothing adds to that, like polarization, like social media, right? Like you are the some parts of your tweets. Like you, you see what I'm saying? Like, uh, you have to be this or that on every topic on social media. There's never room for nuance, you know? So, um, either, uh, the president has to be God's man or he has to be like the antichrist you know like um <laughs> there's not much room for any type of nuance there you know um and like really i know people like i don't know a lot of people right now who live in the nuance they either say like either you respect trump as god's man or like you look at everything he's done and you you call him this or that and those this or that are never very polite terms, right? Um, but I don't think it's always so cut and dry, like how we live it out daily. It, it's way more nuanced than that. And so everything just gets immediate reaction on social media and then it kind of dies away. The, the heartbreaking thing for me has been uh, watching the body of Christ um, kind of follow the world's pattern of being very sarcastic, bitter, and hateful in our conduct and speech on social media, even at people who have labored for the gospel's sake for years, and you would think like had some uh, measure of respect within these communities, um, like young people just coming at them and like letting them have it on social media. And I'm like, man, like, where, where is the, where's the Christianity in that? And like, even if we have to argue, can't we do it in a way that shows the world a different path? So um, it, it, that's been disheartening to me. Like it's really has been hard for me um, to come on social media and kind of watch how this gets, how it's played out on both, on both documents. Yeah. And I would just, you know, I would just say to all the listeners out there, if you haven't read the documents, definitely Google, uh, the Nashville Declaration, Charlottesville Declaration. Read them, pray um, through them as you read them, and think through their implications for you, um, and think whether or not it's something that uh, resonates with you. Um, so that would be my, you know, my advice, just to kind of think through and pray through those things. So I'm, I'm still doing it. I'm still kind of processing both of them. I don't care about the big names who signed it. Uh, this is something personally that I have to um, be in line, aligned with. Uh, and, say that again. And if I'm not, then I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm just not. Right. So uh, in scripture, we see where the Bereans were, um, you know, commended for taking what Paul said and then examining it in the light of scripture. And I think he calls us to do the same. Uh, uh, just because your favorite theologian signed it doesn't mean you don't. You say, like, there are going to be times where our favorite theologians are wrong and they're still great people, right? Mm. But um, that has to be, like, scripturally informed with ourselves through prayer and stuff. And um, we can't just always sign something because they signed it. So, Amen. Or not sign it because they didn't sign it. Amen. So if you do eventually see my name on either one of those, then you know that I've, I've gone through that process. And I would encourage anyone else to do the same. 
And make sure you read the Nicene Creed at least. Come on. Come on, folks. I'm a professional church boy. We do, <laughs> we do that every Sunday. I'm talking to I'm talking to our peoples though. Our peoples. I got you, fam. All right, man. So we're pulling back the curtain. Love to do this at the end of all of our shows and let you guys know, hey, wh here's what C Lass and J Rich have in front of their eyes. What are they reading around this time in their life? C Lass, what you got in front of you? What are you reading? What is your bedtime reading at night when you get ready to pull the co covers over your head? So, uh, J Rich, all my reading happens in the morning because I don't process stuff at night. But what am I reading in the morning along with my Bible right now is C.S. Lewis, uh, Mere Christianity. And um, I just wanted to do something that was really different than the um, on the block book I just finished. And I was just I had just finished a new book, so I thought it would be time to reread a classic. And man, just the strength of his apologetic arguments and thinking through um, the gospel. I mean, it has been, it's probably been like six, eight years since I've read it. So it's been like almost like a new book and it's been amazing and super encouraging. So um, I'd recommend that to anybody. Um, great book. You just, you all over my 2017 reading list because that is on the list for the fall. And uh, that's one of the classics that I like to reread from time to time. So good stuff. I'm reading J.I. Packer's Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. You know, a lot of people not too happy with a lot of reformed folks who they feel like they stand on the sovereignty argument over and against evangelism. But J.I. Packer unpacks what that means in thinking God is sovereign, but I still have an opportunity and a responsibility for gospel witness and proclamation. So uh, just diving into it, I'll certainly let you guys know how I like it, but I'm a Packer fan. I'm one of his stands. <laughs> he writes well, man. He's pretty deep. He certainly is. Certainly is. All right. Closing shout outs. Okay. Uh, so for me, um, closing shout outs is going to be Jay Rich. It's going to be something that I saw you post. So shout out to your mom for coming through. We got to give your mom some love on the podcast. And um, specifically the story that you told about her being in church hmm. and just being willing to comfort like a member of your church, just diving into action when she saw a need. That was a pretty cool story. And I'm glad you're getting to spend some time with mom. Got her got, out the south for a minute. Got to love mom. Yeah, man. She she really blessed me with that. That was amazing. Amazing. But that's that's how she's wired. Love my mom. I think I mentioned it last podcast that she is the epitome of hospitality for me. And she just stepped up and, and loved on somebody at my church that she didn't even know. I was like, yep, that's my mom. <laughs> so, so look, man, shout out. My shout out goes to the homie, C-Lass. Because this Saturday, right, we got something going on this Saturday, doing a book signing at Demotes Barbershop. And is it in Stanton? Absolutely. It's like probably three, four blocks from my house. Okay. And what time is it from what to what? 
It is uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, of course, the only real time zone, Jay Rich, uh, <laughs> to 11 a.m. And then straight to Sprint after that. So it's going to be a wow. long day. But That's great, man. A great day. So I'm proud of you, man. That's my shout out is to the homie for being a published offer offer because that's, that's what you are <laughs> so being a published author a couple of times over man i'm godly proud of you and you got the official book signing at the homie d moats barbershop who always gives me some great laughs when you're around you always got jokes about the homie c lads but showing them some love this weekend there man so i pray it goes well Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. I appreciate the love. All right, folks, that's been episode number 39 of the Boxing One podcast. Look, we're going to include some links to some possible ways in which you can help Harvey victims uh, continue Amen. to pray for recovery there. And we just pray that you guys have a great week this week. And we'll see you guys next go round. Peace out.